Welcome to episode 203 of the Man Cave Movie Review Reloaded, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. I'm your host, Mark Slover, and tonight we are reviewing Anthropoid. This great and fantastic film features Jamie Dornan, Cillian Murphy, Toby Jones, Charlotte Lebon, and Anna Garaslorava. I probably butchered that name, so pardon me, Anna. Joining me tonight is Ken. I don't want to be the crowd who has to go up the, the flight of stairs in the church. Roni. Well, you know, uh, I'm sure we've all carefully prepared and planned to give it, provide it a good review of this movie to our listeners. But I suspect our plans will be just as effective and will come off as cleanly as the hit that these commandos put down in this movie. And we will, we will discuss that. Yes. We will discuss that. And also joining us tonight is Brian. I like to keep a bomb handy when my buddy jams his submachine gun, Miller. Man, I'd like to go out and murder those two guys that aren't going to show tonight, but assassinate, <laughs> actually. Murder implies they'd have a life worth living, but... <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. And those two people he's discussing are, are not Heinrich Himmler and Reinhard Heydrich. Um or Reinhard Heydrich and his driver. They are, unfortunately, Steve and Ken. Steve is under the weather, so, um, you know, I can't use this line. Anthropoid, you mean spiders. I hate spiders, Michaels. <laughs> did, did Steve get a hold of some bad dates? Uh, he got bad dates. He and a monkey. So, he's not joining <laughs> us tonight. And I, I, we've been told that, Jeff, why... Didn't I think of keeping a cyanide pill with me during these podcasts? Muncie is chaperoning something. We're not sure what. So we'll have to find out the next time we all gather together, won't we, gentlemen? Oh, yeah. He has a, we, a, he has a brood that has a lot of commitments. Yes. yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he must be brooding over them. So... Moving on, guys. Tonight we are going to review a movie based on a little-known event, unless you are a student of World War II, like the three of us, that took place in 1942 in Prague, Czechoslovakia, which uh, the IMD intro, or summary, as I should say, provides a nice uh, overview of, about this movie called Anthropoid. And I'll just read it off and then we'll get going. Uh, Anthropoid is based on the extraordinary true story of Operation Anthropoid the World War II mission to assassinate SS General Reinhard Heydrich, the main architect behind the final solution, and the Reich's third in command after Hitler and Himmler. That's a, that's a nice, effective, brief summary of a rather detailed um, event and the, the events surrounding the assassination, which this movie covers in exceedingly fine detail, and then the... Uh, the events following the assassination of Heydrich. So, um, a, a very thorough movie, uh, almost a documentary in many respects, and we'll we'll touch on that. But um, I want to turn it over to uh, to uh, Steve, uh, Steve, geez, Ken, Ken, and Brian. So, um, Brian, what do, what what are your initial thoughts on this movie? Well, you actually, when you said doc, you know, it, it, documentary, I thought Mark just nailed it. It the the movie almost, you know, when they make stuff on the History Channel, some stuff, some other channels where they kind of they, they make it essentially it's a live action documentary. It, it almost had that feel to it. Um, 
it's uh, it, it, to a point where I think it affected the pacing of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but uh, but you know, I mean, just from sheer history. And again, I, I you know I've not read any detailed you know tech novel or anything or not novel, but excuse me, book about anthropoid. So I can't say hey that was wrong or that was wrong, but. But by and, and obviously some of the stuff, you know, they took a little bit of had to had to take some dramatic license with, I assume. But boy, I mean, um, it, it I, I really did. I almost felt like I was watching a, a documentary uh, to a certain extent. And and to to a point where I, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we often criticize movies for tearing apart history. Um, but a lot of those movies that we would meet tear apart, they're entertaining movies. And um, so, you know, I, I'm sitting in my head questioning. I go, you know, can't. You know, I go. It's a really hard task, I think, to do something and try to be as accurate as you can, and yet to make it a, a good drama. And and to so to a third, certain extent, I think the movie suffered for that, uh, because I think that's a nice edge. It's very difficult to watch when you pull it off. It's it's the exception. So. Yeah, I think, and you raise that a good point. They're, they're, they, I think, they tried to stretch the drama out, and we'll get into that. Um. And it, it, it got kind of a bit like saltwater taffy. It got really stretched out on occasion. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated it, like you, but I think it could, have, it could have been tightened up just a bit in some aspects of the movie because I really think it picks up on the back end of the second half. Um, but Ken, what, what, are your, what are your takeaways initially? Uh, I can say that, you know, I, I'm the one that recommended we do this. Mark mm-hmm. said, hey, what, what movie are we going to do next? Ken, it's, you pick one. And this has been popping up on my Amazon, uh, you know, movie recommendation list for a month or so. This is a recent movie. It just came out last year, 2016. It's a British Czech Euro production. Uh, however, it does have a number of people that, uh, listeners probably have seen and you know once we talk about the actors and all it'll be you'll be oh yeah you know i thought it had a, a pretty strong cast in yes. terms of the actors and such uh in terms of the uh story itself uh what you just both said was true could have been tightened up a bit but i mean from what i understand they were they were trying to be a documentary. They're trying to make a, a, a drama that's a documentary and be as accurate, as detailed as they could. And so they went down some rabbit holes that, you know, could have been tightened up and, and you know, left out. But from what I understand, pretty much everything that you see in this movie actually happened. And to put this into context a little bit, I mean, you, you threw it out there, but you know, this happens in early 1942. This is when, you know, the Nazi empire is at its height. I mean, you know, they're knocking on the doors of Stalingrad and, uh, it's also an interesting movie because there's, we, I mean, we recently did Force Ten for Navarone, which is, you know, commandos working with partisans in Europe. Well, that's, that's sort of the glamorized view of it. Uh, this, the, the, the story this tells is the way the underground, the resistance worked. And a, a very important part of being in the resistance is, uh, to a large extent, you got smushed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, wasn't glory and death. And although lots of Nazi 
you know, Mooks died in this movie. Uh, it's not a happy movie, but it's about a big event. And I, I can't say that, uh, I mean, way back in, uh, in the 70s, when I was a young guy, I saw another movie about this subject. It was called Operation Daybreak yep. that starred Timothy Bottoms, of all people. So, like, I could vaguely remember the basic plot of the story. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the uh, one of the viewers commented on the webpage that uh, Fritz Lang had done this movie, too, as well. Obviously, that'd be a black and white movie, um, which I'm surprised because, you know, that would have been some time back. I mean, because Lang, I think, was mainly known for doing movies in the 20s and 30s, I believe. But I, and again, I haven't checked that. But I, no, I think I did check that. I think that was accurate. But uh, uh, it, it, it's obviously it's an important thing that happened. It was important to the war overall because of some of the things it triggered. But, uh, you know, you could certainly argue the effect on the people locally. Uh, I, I don't know if it really, you know, I mean, the result for them certainly was not good. I mean, uh, it, it seemed as if it devastated what was left of the Czech underground, at least at that time. It did. Um, and uh, But it did essentially force the hand of, of some of the other European countries to, to say, okay, you know, this, this, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but, you know, uh, the assassination, you know, you could argue the assassination didn't really, that that was going to happen anyway because of what Heydrich was doing. Uh, but... Uh, and, and we should probably you know, we, touch on Reinhard Heydrich. He was truly, arguably, in a ruthless um, government of the Third Reich. Heydrich was probably in a class by himself. Uh, he was the third in command, and I'll just briefly, he created the, the internal security police when the, when the Nazis came to power. He stomped out the SA. He created the Gestapo, essentially. He consolidated the internal police force. I mean, this guy was, if you wanted a problem solved for internal security matters, um, Heydrich was your go-to man. And I'm, I'm being very, very broad brush. And he was, in many ways, the one of the architects, if not one of the chief architects, um, of what was called um, the final solution. If you've never seen it, there was a, there was a, there's been a remake, but there was one done, I think, in the '90s called the Vonce Conference, um, and Vonce was basically where the, what became known as the final solution, uh, was hammered out, and Heydrich was a chief architect. So, Heydrich was even amongst the Nazis feared. I mean, there are stories supposedly, and I, I haven't dug too deeply. Ken, Brian, you might be able to. Um, that even Himmler was um, was concerned about Heydrich's growing power, uh, and it, if you watch uh, what is it, Man in a High Tower or whatever that PK Dick series on Amazon mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. he's featured in that as if he did not die in Prague. So, so when when he is assassinated, um, the retribution that came down, and we'll touch on that as we go through the movie. Um, was significant um, for a number of reasons, but obviously because he was essentially the number three at that time in the in the Nazi hierarchy. Um, is there? Did I miss anything, or is there anything anyone no, wants I to think add you about Heydrich? I mean, that's consistent with what I've read and heard. 
I mean, I, I don't know if the movie, again, I don't know if the, I mean, the, the, the scene itself where the assassination t- took place, I mean, I again, I'm assuming since the movie worked so hard to, to try to get most parts of it right that it did reflect it, but I mean, Heydrich, I mean, the, frankly, I mean, I mean, the guy, again, I, I don't mean this in a favorable way, but I mean, the guy gets out of his car and basically starts firing. I mean, he doesn't really it, make any attempt to hide. It's as if he thinks he's untouchable. And it, um, the thing is, there's a great website called History versus Hollywood, and they mm-hmm. go through this movie in detail. And essentially, and you mentioned earlier, with some exceptions, uh, this movie is dead on to the events that occurred. And the people that you see in this movie were the people. I mean, they they. Uh, the actors portrayed the actual people who were the key players in the um, in the Heydrich assassination. And some of the pictures, if you go, it's worth going to History versus Hollywood and looking up Anthropoid. Some of the images, now, you know, some people are a little more attractive than others or whatnot. But they got actors that fairly somewhat closely resembled a lot of these people, especially Heydrich. It's eerie. Oh, yeah. Heydrich, the guy that played, he's a German actor. Yeah, but yeah he... he... Look like Heydrich. Yeah. But from a historical standpoint, by and large, you know, they had to compress some things and probably highlight some love interests. But the... the there was, there was the, the, the one, the engagement. I don't know if they were actually engaged, but they were in love, yes. uh, the, the two. And uh, what was interesting, the movie didn't really... You saw what happened to most everyone. You didn't see what happened to her, but well, real what quick, did happen to her. She got. Oh, go ahead. If there's, if that's yeah. something you're gonna talk about later, but no, I'll just go through it real quick while we're talking about history. So, it, it, spoiler alert: everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> All the good guys die, um, and many of them die in very brutal manners. And we'll, we will touch on the torture scenes, but the the woman that um, uh, Jan Kubis was in love with was sent to Sackhausen, or to Mauthausen, mm-hmm. and was shot. I don't know where, but she ended up in prison. But yeah. I think she was, my impression was she just got gathered up kind of as just part of the, I don't know if she was targeted so much as she just got gathered up, and yeah. she later died. Yeah, she was shipped off to Mauthausen and shot. Um, the one, uh, Ladislav, the one who was part of the resistance cell who didn't really want to push, who was trying to stop the assassination, Mm-hmm. He lived. He died in 93. Well, the funny thing about him, as as the movie ended, I thought, you know, I think he was right. I mean, I, I hate yeah. to say it, but I I mean, I, I think he was right because it, it did destroy what was left of it. There there ended up being, obviously, a betrayal. Yep. Uh, didn't end well for that guy. Uh, no. But, you know, frankly, it should have ended worse as far as I'm concerned. But but uh, uh, but uh, and, and I'd forgotten I had forgotten that the two principals died. I guess yeah. I should, absolutely should have known that, but I, I, I kept thinking like, well, wait a minute, they don't die, do they? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, they're going to die. <laughs> and they didn't, and that's the other thing. The Nazis broke the cell, but they didn't get the principals. Those guys went down fighting. Mm-hmm. And the guy who turned them in, as you mentioned, um, who turned got, on his he people, hung. he got hung in 1947. Mm-hmm. The, the Czechs hung him in Prague. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, and Ken, I don't know if you want to add anything, but essentially, and why we say documentary, it, it, because they really did a very good job of um, 
hewing to the facts, right even down to filming locations. No, yeah, I'll, I'll make the point that, you know, like, like a lot of movies where there is an inanimate object that is a star of the movie, like in Smokey and the Bandit, uh, you know, the Bandit's car is a, is a star of the movie. In this movie, uh, the city of Prague. Yes. They, they use it to very good effect because Prague is a very beautiful city, very old medieval, you know, uh, old buildings, very scenic. And they and it's easy to make it look like it did back then because it hasn't changed that much in the old parts of town. Uh, a, a thing I'll just throw in since we talked a little bit about the history of it is they I think the movie did a pretty good job of sketching out and a, not not being preachy or talky about it. But sort of the the politics and the motivations that were going on with the various players. I mean, the Germans, I mean, the Germans are there that, you know, they, they sent in Heydrich to, you know, clean, the, clean Czechoslovakia up. There's resistance. And he'd pretty much beaten down the resistance. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they were on the run. They were hiding. They were, you know, they, they, they were done. Uh, but the Czech government in exile over in London they're going, well, we can't have the Germans just getting away with, you know, keeping our people impressed. We got to do something. And so from what I understand, they pretty much just, you know, gathered up a small team of guys. They were like trained and such, but it, they wouldn't be like the elite of the elite, but they parachuted them in with the orders to go kill Heydrich. And they've got to link up with the resistance. And of course the resistance is, you know, number one, it's been penetrated. Number two, it's on the run. Uh, it's it's interesting to watch how the various players, like you say, there's there's some people there that go like, we don't want to do this. This is a bad idea. And, you know, maybe that was correct. But uh, from the outside, if you're the people giving the orders back in London, Heydrich had to die. And I don't think they saw what was coming. I, I'm sure they probably thought, oh, there'll be some blowback and recriminations, but not to the scale. And that's a thing, uh, you know, a thing, this movie and, uh, you know, some other movies I've seen lately remind me is that in World War II, again, there was so much death and destruction, uh, and a lot of it happened in this kind of a setting, just the steady grinding down of any resistance and uh, and people fighting against that, people, people not taking any more and rising up, but, you know, so often than not, getting ground down because they didn't have the ways and means to really effectively resist. So, again, this I thought this movie did a very good job as, you know, for a movie that I didn't even, I mean, I just heard good things about it and it kept popping up on my Amazon uh, stream, is, which is why I said, let's let's check it out. But I uh, know let's let's talk a little more and uh, what probably now switch to talk about the actors. Thing. Yeah, let's I mean, there's some uh, there's some familiar actors if you've seen some movies and let's let's just kind of touch on some of some of them. Um, I'll throw out I'll throw out one of the first ones, um, who I've seen him in one movie, and I know he's starred in a chick flick or and its sequel. Jamie Dornan, who plays Jan Kubis, one of the lead um, one of the lead commandos, as it were. Mm-hmm. He's been Caesar's in Caesar's Shadowville. Yeah, the movie he was in. really good movie. Netflix we, we, movie. Did, we were going to review that. We never did. We're, we're going to put that one on the list and get to it. That is a, but, that's a very well done movie. Also, 
I, I, I really enjoyed it. In fact, today I was just skimming movies, and uh, after seeing Siege of Jadoville, or Jado, I'm not sure how, I've, I'm assuming Jadoville is probably how it's pronounced. That but sounds good. After seeing that, I uh, I actually watched a movie, to, or I'm actually about halfway through it today. It's a 64 movie called Guns at Batasi. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Hmm. And, it, and that's uh, Attenborough and some folks like that. And it's and it kind of taught. It's a very similar situation in Africa as the Hojadoville thing was. Okay. But I saw that. that. I can't tell you anything about it, but I saw. It's it not bad. I, it's it's not bad. Uh, but um, hey, real quick, just just to back up yeah. real quick, you, no, you talked about how the, the city itself was was a feature, and I I would agree. I mean, a lot of particularly in Eastern Europe. I mean, like in the, the Third Man, Vienna. I mean, those cities, particularly those old world cities are characters in those kind of movies. Yes. Uh, they, they really are. And uh, and the other thing Ken mentioned was, you know, you miss a lot of this stuff. I mean, our, our you know, what we know about what happened in Eastern Europe and in Russia, frankly, is, uh, it, you know, we really don't know, we've learned, but but even, even Russia, I mean, for example, uh, I was I was hearing a historian talk the other day about how uh, briefly when the Soviet Union was good friends of the United States, they opened up the books to the U.S. and we got to read the real story of what happened, you know, on the Eastern Front, and about whole divisions that kind of disappeared, didn't know what happened. Well, here's here's really what happened. Now that the door's closed again, you don't know because the Soviets only told certain things. But but a lot of what happened in the East was just kind of glommed over historically. It's obviously. Not popular history, I would say, and just in general, a lot of it was hidden history. Now, um, I, if if you want to read or listen to a good audio book on this, uh, came out a couple of years ago called Bloodlands, all about Eastern Europe, the you know the underground, the you know guerrilla warfare, terrorist stuff. I mean, it was devastating and constant, and it kept going. It wasn't right. like the war is over and it was over. I mean, who was it? I think it was like. Field Marshal Tukhachevsky of the Soviet Army got bumped up yep. by the Ukrainian, Ukrainian separatists like in 47, like yeah. two years after the war. Yeah. They were still fighting. Yeah, people don't realize that there was a low-grade war going on in pockets and scores being settled and communists versus royalists and nationalists yes. from Greece all the way up. It was, uh, And part of it was the early stages of what we would now know as the Cold War. Right, and and basically ethnic cleansing. It was, yes. you know, it wasn't called that back then, but it was, you know, as the war was ending, various nationalities just said, "Okay, we're tired of these you these foreigners in our country." And might have been a Pole, might have been a you know German in Romania, might have been a you know Serb in Hungary or something, but they just went after each other viciously. Yep. But I do, I do need to throw get get back to the, the stars. You you touched on it, but uh, you, you mentioned Jamie Dornan, and just to be specific, you know, our male listeners probably going like, who, what? I never heard this Siege of Jadoville, but any female <laughs> listeners probably <laughs> like a ninety percent chance. If you're like most of the women I know, you went and saw Fifty Shades of Grey. And he's the guy that plays Christian Gray. Right. So he's a, you know, worldwide, he's known by millions and millions of people. And he's a very, and they, and they cast, I, I will say, I was very, I've been very impressed with, I was impressed with all the actors in this movie. I thought they all turned in strong performances. Well, I mean, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? Um, 
Cillian Murphy. Yes. I mean, usually the movies that you've seen him and he's kind of a creepy bad guy in a lot of the movies. He's like, you know, in the Batman movies and in Red Eye, yeah. which I haven't seen. But, you know, he's in Dunkirk, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, it's funny though, he's very intense. And I thought, I mean, I liked the fact that just how intense he was. And at times, if you look at him the right way, he looks just like Mads Mikkelsen sometimes. Yeah. In, in, in the side. Bones. I keep thinking, like, he really does. He's not a big guy, though. I think he's kind of, kind of, yeah. kind of small. Uh, in fact, I noticed that in the dance scene, I thought, you know, the, they obviously didn't elevate the, the woman <laughs> dancing with because she was darn near his size. Now, yep. obviously, she's probably in heels, but. But they they didn't try to make him look to be some big strapping guy. You no. Know? Uh, and, well, and you know this was World War Two. Probably wasn't. And people will recognize him if you saw Dark Knight. He played the psychiatrist. I can't remember the character's name. Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, he's been in Inception. Um, but he turns. Days later, he was yes. the uh, the guy that wakes up in the hospital and doesn't know what's going on. Yes. That was Apparently one of his early he's in roles. Sunshine too, which George liked. I, I didn't like it quite as much, but he was in that as well. Yeah, and I really I think will. he gets an opportunity to shine in this movie. He's a very, he's got a very intense role, and he's kind of the guy who is not going to lose sight of the mission. To the point, it's very almost so. an obsession with him. Right. No, a a movie I saw him in about ten years ago, which I'll put in a plug, is uh, called The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Which is a stupid sounding title. Yes, it is. But it's all about the Irish Rebellion and the Irish Civil War back around you know, 1920 or so. Oh, yeah. Very good, very good story. And he does a very strong uh, He's job Irish. there. So, so, a couple other people we'll talk about. Um, one that a lot of Americans would recognize uh, and who is a great character actor, Toby Jones, who plays Uncle, who plays the character called the Uncle. Um, Mm-hmm. Better known as the the brains, literally behind Hydra in the Captain America movies, and also in um, the Harry Potter some of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, he great. was good in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy as well. Thank you. Yes, he was in that, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, great like character actor. Turns yeah, in a really yeah, strong he, performance. Really interesting. I mean, once you see him, you'll never forget him. Right. He's got one of those. He's just kind of, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, he's just kind of an unusual looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of got a high forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who was the actor that was in um, The Untouchables? He kind of reminds me of him a little bit or the the little person. Oh, in, I, know I know what you're talking about. Or Peter Dinklage. Yeah. He kind of also, he kind of reminds me of if Peter Dinklage had an older uncle. Mm-hmm. From his face, not he's not a little person, but from his face. Uh, but I he I thought he turned in a great performance as kind of the balancing act between the the caution and the execution of the assassination. But he mm-hmm. was kind of the guy who knew whatever happens, it's gonna nothing good is gonna come of this. But he still did it, and he still did it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was totally signed on, but he was also very, he, he, I think he recognized what his fate was. Yeah, yeah, he kind of resigned himself. Um, yeah, he has guys, been in a lot, and a lot of stuff that our listeners have seen. Yeah, if you saw Captain America, you've seen yep. him. He was ahead of Hydra, he was in um, Hunger Games, Harry Potter, a um, bunch of those shows. 
Sherlock. He was in oh. the TV series Sherlock. Oh, that's right. He was. I've yeah. forgotten that. Yeah, the f- last season, which was not its best. Uh, no, it's but, running uh, out of gas. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know who the actor was, and he was just in it briefly. But I thought he was funny. He had some good lines, and he just—it was the uh, the uh, veterinarian who oh, briefly yeah. treated them. Just, I thought he was—he was a little bit of a scene stealer. He kind of had some wise ass lines and and very dry. Uh, but I thought again. Uh, what a three minute scene maybe, but yeah. I, I thought, you know, he was memorable in that. And, uh, obviously I'll just lay it right out here, guys. Uh, Anna Gesslerova. <sighs> maybe it's just my redhead thing, but she was, I thought she was fun to watch just to watch. Uh, obviously she died badly. Well, I guess not compared to others in the movie, but yeah, uh, that was the one they they took historic license there. She also got thrown in a, one of the camps and shot. She was. I wondered if that was accurate. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. She she was the redhead who was kind of the love interest. They kind of danced around each other of uh, Cillian Murphy's character. Well, it's the intensity. The, the yes. Uh, you know, you, you never know what day is going to be your last. So you got to take all the emotion you can. Right. You know? uh, uh, honestly, that's really my assessment of it. Ken was that you know. It's not that they would have probably gotten together any other circumstance, right. but it was it was a moment. You know, it was they one were of those thrown moments. together yeah. for the mission, and sparks yeah. flew. Emotions were high. But no, she is a very well regarded, very uh, very successful actress in Czechoslovakia, yeah. and she I I think she was one of the first people to sign up for this movie, and actually her presence there actually encouraged a number of these other more better known people to get on board because she is well regarded in the industry. Yeah. And another, I found it interesting that, that, that probably the only actress in actor in the movie that wasn't either English or Eastern European was Charlotte Le Bon, who's Canadian. Right. Uh, and uh, she but, had that which, quintessence. Maybe, she had that. She had that, that love. She had that lovely classic '40s look about her. The way they, mm-hmm. I mean, her facial construct, and then what they did with her makeup wise. She she was just very elfin and very, but but. Um, one, and one, she kind of played that role of the person who all of a sudden realizes this isn't a game anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Kind of the, she kind of takes the audience through the, oh, shit, things just got real moment. Mm-hmm. But I, I would I, agree. I, and I thought she turned in a wonderful performance in a very understated sort of way. And she was, again, hard not to look at. You know? Right, right. Well, and I thought I, 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 there, there's a couple others I want to mention, and most of them are Czech or English actors. But I thought uh, an actor, he, the, the youngest in the bunch, and he had one of the hardest, most painful scenes to watch, was yep. Bill Milner, who played Atta, the 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 son of the two of the uh, of the husband and wife who were were the safe house for the commandos, and man. We'll talk about favorite scenes, as it were, but I think we will have to discuss that scene shortly. Yeah, that was that, that was a scene right out of uh, what was the movie where uh, Olivier, the boys from Brazil, yes. you know, with uh, that made me feel like you know uh, Dustin Hoffman getting the dental treatment. Yeah, but I thought he turned in a really good young actor. Kind of reminded me in the same way of um, the young actor who he was in Rome and he played Augustus and he was in. Um, Master and Commander. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
very strong young British actor. We'll probably see a lot of him in the future. Very sympathetic character. I mean, you find yourself just thinking, like, I hope so, nothing bad happens to him, yeah. obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, well, in the first half of the movie, he's like, you're going, you know, like, he's the future. He'll get, you know, we needed him to get through this to build a better world. Well, no. No. No, yeah, we're doing this so he can have a life. Yeah. Well, no. no. You're right. No, this, this is kind of like World War One. Everybody dies. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it's brutal. It is brutal. It is brutal. I mean, the sec the last half hour or 40 minutes of that movie, you're just like, oh, God. Yeah. And you know, you know, they're never getting out of that church. You just, you're like, no. Nope. Again, I'd forgotten. I had forgotten they didn't make it. I kept thinking, well, they're going to break through this wall and get down to the river. And like, no, there's no hole in that wall. The Germans are here. They're screwed. Yep. It's over. Yep. I mean, yep. Oh, and, and another. The freaking Devil's Buzzsaw or Hitler's Buzzsaw. The, it was the MG42. Oh, the MG42. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One other... Also, when, when, when the Germans show up with, with crates of hand grenades and start breaking them out, that's that's a bad sign. Yeah, you're done. But that was a six hour battle. Yes. Well, I mean, keep in mind you're you're dealing with security troops. You know these guys weren't frontline troops that they were sending true. in there. Um, obviously, people were well trained. Obviously, they probably and it didn't show this in the movie, but I'm going to make an assumption. What they originally sent in there was probably we'll just sweep this up, and then it became an oh shit moment or oh shisa moment for the Germans, and they had to call for backup. It was probably like Die Hard. Mm -hmm. The you know, all of a sudden, wait a minute, we're not just going to go sweep up a couple of guys who are in hiding. These guys are well-armed well, and they're dem motivated. Those demolition guys that came in here, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was that was terribly efficient, how they they worked that. But, yep. But, uh, pull the plans out, knew where everything were, just started blowing the hell out of everything underneath there. It's just like, wow, how would they do that? That's It's almost like a techie movie you see today where somebody, they get into... You know, which is not real, obviously, but where they're, they, oh, he's here, or, you know, they, we're going to shut the power off to these three, you know, which is, you know, stuff just not real world. But it was like they pull the plans out, like, oh, that here, uh, okay, get those charges, get those guys here. They start planting those charges, and I'm like, wow, yeah. that's scary. Well, and I thought that that was, and we can, I think we've covered actors, but I, I, I think we should touch on, and I want to throw this open to you guys. Um, the, for lack of a better term, the ruthlessness of the regime. I mean, you saw that in spades after Heydrich is attacked because they're not sure if Heydrich's dead. He does die later. He dies of complications of injury due to the uh, the bomb that was thrown under his car. But these the, the SS, the Gestapo, Sicker Heidienst, the the whole. The whole security apparatus comes down, and it is wide-ranging and ruthless. And I, I just want to throw that out for you guys to um, to share your impressions of how that was treated in the movie. Ken, go ahead. Well, I'll, a thing that I think comes through is, uh, as I touched on a little bit ago, Heydrich was down there. He, he was sent to Prague to clean this city up, knock down, you know, take out the resistance and subjugate it. And so they'd been doing that. So I, I had a real, in those early scenes, there was a real feeling to me of like, 
oh, these Germans, I mean, they got their boot everywhere. And, and they, they did a good job with this movie with getting the equipment right, the attire right. I didn't get any, like, you know, nothing jumped out at me as like, oh, that's not right. They got, you know, and like I say, they, they set it all in a city where they fit right in. It looks like 1942. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, there's that scene in the coffee shop where uh, they're, they're having that meeting and that, you know, the classic uh, motorcycle with sidecar pulls up and the two guys come go in, Germans go in just to get some coffee. Mm-hmm. But they're intimidating as hell just getting coffee. And like the whole place was like, you know, on edge. And I was just two guys getting some coffee because, you know, they, they'd been oppressing that city for years now. But you're right. When the assassination happens, the last part of the film it is brutal and ruthless because the Germans just, they, they had no regard for anybody. They were just going to make an example. And uh, to this day, they don't know how many people died as a result of this. Not, well, I, I mean, mean, just not, not in terms of like killed in the raid. It was just like rounded up and shot. I mean, yeah, I think best guess is over 5,000. Well, the, the, the little town of 3,000 that got wiped out did get wiped out. Yep. Uh, that happened uh, because of a rumor um, and just, well, just right during the attack. I mean, uh, you, you're some poor dude on the street. Well, right. that's tough. <laughs> Cause right. we're mowing down anybody, you know, well, if you're in our way, we don't give a damn. You're, no, we'll, I, we'll shoot you. It's just part of going after this guy. It reminded me, you know, a couple of years ago, we were reviewing Ronan and yep. I commented on <laughs> yeah. the way that, you know, in that movie, it sucks to be an innocent bystander. Right. And it's the yep. same here. You know, this raid is it's a military operation in the middle of a you know highly populated city and bystanders are go- dropping like flies. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just horrible. And the assassination when they you know, the streetcar goes by when the bomb rolls under Hydrick's car. Oh yeah. People yeah, you, you know, your as the as the calculated statement is your collateral damage. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, the other thing that was, I thought, shown well and was accurate is just how ruthless the torture was. And that people, yes. people are willing to do that. And, you know, it, it was, it, it was difficult to watch, but I thought it was handled very well. And it was brutal, but they didn't do it for the sake of like a, a Saw type movie. This is what the Nazis did. This is what a torturer does. Yeah, they um, wanted information, and they're going to do what it took to get the information. Yeah, they were pouring yeah, it, what it, some sort of liquor down the kid's throat, forcing it down his throat. They, they. Yeah, if they had wanted to do it just for the gratuitous gratuitousness of it, they didn't. They, 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 you know, they did it. They got a job done. It was brutal. It was awful. But if the, if the producers or the writer and directors of the movie wanted to, wanted to make it just one of these awful things that worse than it was they certainly could have uh but it was bad enough as it was i mean it, it was it was efficient horror if that makes any yes. sense well said it was efficient horror and that that kind of nicely sums up a lot of what the third reich was efficient although it wasn't terribly efficient when you really dig into the history of the third reich it looks efficient but it was it was um well thugocracy Writ large. They, they li- they, yes, but they they like 
on, at the small level, they were pretty good at executing people. Yes. Well, well, back at the at the actual scene of uh, again, I'm backtracking a little bit, but you know when the when the assassination attempt took place, it was I I was a little surprised. I thought everything would be about Hydric security. Hell no! Drivers out chasing guys down the street. I mean, they're it's a they, they just go on the attack. Yeah. Uh, it's not like let's get him out of here. Let's you know protect him. It's not you know it's it's not the the, the, the Secret Service guys you know throwing their bodies in front of the guy to keep him getting shot. And now it's like, oh, we're going to, we're going to kill these guys. It was more important. It was more important to get the guys that tried to assassinate him than to keep him from being assassinated almost, which was surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, that's well said. But Well, also I thought the this, you know, I, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie is the filming of the assassination, you know, the lead up, the assassination itself and the aftermath. But they did a very good job of showing the chaos and confusion. Yes. And, you know, those people didn't know what happened to Hydric. I mean, I if you looked at Hydric, you would think, like, I don't have to worry about Hydric because, like, he, mm-hmm. he's taking care of himself. Because mm-hmm. he was he, he jumped right out of that car. He pulled out his pistol and he went at him. Right. He was he was offended that they tried to assassinate him. <laughs> No, I think that sums up pretty nicely. That's exactly he was. It was like yeah. you know, one. He how dare you think he could be touched? But it's how dare you? That's right. Right. Well, and it was also it. It shows that no matter whether how well you plan, um, you know, uh, the god Murphy, as it were, gets a vote, mm-hmm. and it, it. You know it. And it, I'm not. We're not going to ruin it. I, you really do need to watch the movie because this it was not an elegant hit by any. This was not. The Untouchables. Um, they thought it failed. Yeah, 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 and and they sure they felt did like it. If you were there, it was. Well, a... I kept I kept asking myself. I go. So when did they go back and do it again? <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> would first because that's obviously it didn't work this time. This would be categorized as a CF, a cluster. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, you know, it was one of those where he died basically because he got poisoned by. The explosive, the explosion, and what was penetrated into his body. Uh, yeah, there, there was something I read somewhere. There was some speculation. And it's not supported. What's that? Part of it was they believe the horsehair from the the seat. Well, they even talked about how they thought they'd put something in there that in the bomb itself could cause botulism. And and again, I, I, I it, it's and again, it's part part of the probably fiction surrounding and add-ons of, of you know history, but. But there was some theory that that was in the bomb as well. There was something that would cause that. Uh, that that it was not accidental either, by the way. Uh, it was intentional. And yeah. again, I think historically that said, no, that, that's not the case. But there's there's a there is apparently some speculation out there that that is that that did happen or right. was an intent of it. You know, and you you think a lot of injuries like that um, nowadays people don't realize that injuries like that. Drugs, the, the trauma medicine, a lot of the things we take for granted were either in short supply or just coming online, or as in the case of the Third Reich, they didn't exist or they weren't available where he happened to be. So you could die of sepsis pretty easily. Yeah. Well, that's it. If, if that <clears throat> German that, that had Force 10 a couple weeks ago uh, could have gotten <laughs> that penicillin off him, this never would have happened. That's right. That's right. See? Nice tie back, Ken. Oh, to the other movie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I 
real quick, let's move on. Um, unless, I, unless we want to talk about any more of the actual history versus Hollywood, but I think we can all agree it was it was more history than Hollywood. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. I will say one thing that, and I know if Steve were here, he would probably voice this vociferously. I, and I understand it, and I do agree, um, I, and I appreciate the effort, the attempt, but the accents were at times difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I, I get why they do it, but sometimes I wish, I thought it was, a, there were moments with some of the actors where it made it difficult to understand what they were trying to say. I don't know what your guys' thoughts were. No disagreement. Yeah, they had a, a, a transnational cast in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heavy on the Czechs. Yes. And you know, like it or not, we Americans aren't used to hearing Czech accents. I mean, right. And it wasn't bad. It's just it made you have to pay more attention. Yes. But, you know, it didn't, I, I didn't think it took away from the movie at all. Because, again, it's a movie set in another country. I right. Put, it sort of put me in the mood. Right. You, you can't watch this movie casually. No, um, I, I think I mentioned I'd started watching the movie probably over a month ago and got about a third of the way through it. Not and I didn't stop because I was bored. I just got interrupted and I went back and had to rewatch the whole thing again because it's just not a movie you can pick up, sit down, pick up and sit down. You got to you got to pay attention and you got to watch it yep. um, And you, because there's a lot of stuff. Well, the dialogue makes you pay attention uh, again. And, you know, I assume when it comes to the whole dialogue and accents thing, it's the whole trap of like, okay, do you have Kevin Costner playing a Brit and everybody else has a Brit accent, but he doesn't <laughs> even try. I mean, which again, I mean, if you can't do a Brit accent, I get it, you know? Um, but so, you know, they're trying to do accents, but yeah, I mean, they're not checks, obviously, at least the two leads aren't. Um, and, um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's kind of a, to me, it's probably one of those difficult things that directors and actors have to decide on. How, how are we going to play this? You know? Right. Um, and, you know, that's how the, what they decided. Yeah. And it, again, I think it just requires that it's not, as you noted, a casual movie. You've got to pay attention. There's a lot of layers and nuance in this movie. And it takes its time. It's very It's a deliberate movie. It is not, back to Ken, I think you said something about American audiences. This is atypical for the type of movies that most people in the last 10, 12 years are used to watching. This is a throwback, and it's a very deliberate movie. Yeah. Well, you you know that a Brit's got to probably be directing this movie. (laughs) Again, I I mean, just because of the type of movie it is. Now, that said, you got Brit Brit directors, and I can't think of his name, that that make some of the wild, crazy, action-packed movies, but at the same time, this is a movie that only a Brit would probably make. Yep, he's a Brit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, you're right. He's a Brit. So let's um, let's move over to trivia and a couple of uh, kind of things that jumped out uh, that were what I would call goofs in the movie, and then we'll, we'll downshift to favorite scenes. A um, couple points of trivia. The Petchak Palace was a bank that was converted to Gestapo headquarters during the war. Many of the Czech resistance were tortured there, and today the basement remains a museum. The torture scene of Ada, the young boy, was filmed in the same basement room where it actually took place. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And if you notice in the background, I don't know if you saw it, there's like a two-second shot. The table behind the kid just had tools. Screwdrivers, hammers, drills, 
just all sorts of tools just sitting there to be used. Scalpels, knives. It was just, uh, I, I stopped the movie to look at that, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, what interesting thing in the scene earlier with his mother, and you may be going to talk about that scene, but but there was one German who who was not comfortable with it, if that makes any sense. At least he was as merciful as one could be in that position to the point where obviously he made a mistake by letting her go clean herself up, so to speak. But, uh, but I kept thinking like this guy, this guy is the most insidious of the bunch. He's actually got something else going on. You know, he's just playing her. And I'm like, no, he really screwed up because he just he felt bad about it. You know, I mean, again, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a good guy. I mean, you, you don't do that job if you're a good guy. But at the same time, he was he didn't seem to be cut out to do that sort of work, but he was doing it. And I don't know if he was a German or if he was a collaborator because they never. Well, really, he may he may have been. You may be right there. They, they weren't clear on that. But, yeah, he it, he was, I guess, the. The one piece of humanity amongst the the the, the German police, the German security force, mm-hmm. the Gestapo. It makes sense that he was a collaborator. That, that probably is what he was. I, I would imagine. I, I don't know that. I, I that's just kind of what that's how I interpreted it. But um, he and, just didn't seem to be convinced that this was what, what his life's work was supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a safe bet. Um, here's one for people. In real life, one of the men responsible for training the anthropoid assassins was Christopher Lee, a.k.a. Saruman, who worked for British intelligence during World War II. Lee was reticent to talk about his experiences, but opened up to director Philippe Mora about his experiences when they were making the movie The Howling 2. Ugh, I don't even want to know. Anything called The Howling 2, your sister is a werewolf. He must have been getting a, a nice paycheck for that. Anyway... Um, one of the first times that Lee had returned to Eastern Europe since the end of the war. Lee was still regarded as a hero by those who survived the war, and Mora was startled when a contingent of elderly men in full military uniform met them upon their arrival, eager to greet Christopher Lee. I had known he'd worked for British intelligence. I did not know that he was involved in this effort. Well, I knew he was always reticent to talk about his experience. You know, funny thing about Christopher Lee is, you know, when I was a kid, I'd watch all the Hammer movies, yep. and I kind of, and you know, as the years have gone by, people have realized just how neat a guy he was from every possible angle yep. uh, as a human being, as an actor. Uh, he was a really unique, and I think up, up until really his last 20 or 25 years, really overlooked uh, actor in terms of how much influence. I mean, hell, those Hammer films, they were the introduction to most people in the U.S. Of, I mean, you know, the, the the original Dracula was, okay, fine, but I mean, he was Dracula, I yep. mean, for all intents and purposes, to people for the last 50 years. And those Hammer films were were in retrospect, some of those movies are quite good. Uh, but uh, I, I have so, over the years, I have just had growing and growing admiration for him. I'm sorry to sidetrack it, but. No, no, but no. What an amazing guy. What an amazing guy. And I've heard a couple, I, I heard a couple interviews with him before he died. Truly a gentleman and a fascinating individual and very old school. Yeah. Very, I think he was an old school conservative party leader, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, even. I think so. I think so. Well, we, we've commented on this on a number of movies is, you know, 
the generation that went through World War II and then went on to make movies in the 50s and 60s, you know, you'll be looking at people that you think are just like laid back, nice guys, you know, easy going. And then you find out, you know, there was like, you know, again, Jimmy Stewart being the example I always bring oh, yeah. up, you know, whoever thinks Jimmy Stewart is a rough, tough combat leader, but he was. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, it's. That's, Commanded a it, B-24 bomb group. Yeah, it affected a lot of people and uh, made a lot of people know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Interesting trivia. I did not know that. Yeah, a couple other pieces. Anthropoid means resembling a human being in form, and I would say that 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 characterizes Reinhard Heydrich very well. <clears throat> Was that the attention behind the code name? Is I mean, I, or... evidently. That's why Probably, they it. but then you know, in World War II, they just had like yeah, they picked especially the I understand the it. They just had like random word generators and when it's time for an, an operation sometimes they just pull one out but that one fit <laughs> yeah it did fit it, that one fit um detlef botha reprised his role as ss group over group and fuhrer reinhard heydrich whom he had previously portrayed in lidice in 2011. so there had been a movie oh. about the uh destruction of the village um, the real oh, Moravic three thousand. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, the real Moravic apartment of the family was considered as a location, but deemed too small for production needs. It was redesigned and built on on a stage, a sound stage in uh, Prague. So they were going to try and use. They really did try. They 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 filmed this around Prague, and it it, it appears they did a very good job of um, as much as possible using the actual locations. Um, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, one I've other... got a little bit of trivia. Okay, yeah, please. Which is they built an exact duplicate of the Cathedral of Cyril and Methodius, which is the church that they had the final shootout in. Uh, you know, the, the church is still there, but there's no way that the church was going to let them go in and trash it like that mm -hmm. church was trashed in the movies. That ch that church got shot to hell. Mm -hmm. Blown up, everything else. That was a that was a protract. I mean, again, I I didn't realize until I went back and checked it that that was a six hour gun battle. So you really couldn't you couldn't have this. I mean, you had to have that in the movie, and you had to have it pretty protracted because it was a forever you know battle as it, in reality. Uh, I can't believe they had that much ammo to fight that long. Given how hard it was just to get anything into the country, tough scene. Tough. I mean, uh, again, you knew how it was going to turn out at the end. I, in fact, one of the other things that I, 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 I again, I, 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 at first I thought it was a Catholic church, and I realized it's Eastern Orthodox. That was the, uh, the yeah. priest in, the, in that particular case. Yeah. If you looked at his cassock, you realized he was Eastern Orthodox. Well, the it was the it was the, East, it was the Orthodox cross too. Yeah. If you know know what that is, so yeah. it, it was obvious that it was an Orthodox. Uh, cathedral but uh i mean big enough building but not too big but yeah a lot a lot of shooting a lot of killing going on in a small space yeah and you have to assume that to your question brian that if if they can they did compress the gunfight so probably an initial group rushed them got chopped up and they probably collected mm -hmm. up their weapons and ammo mm -hmm. I, i'm betting as ca as casualties mounted on the german side if they had to fall back and regroup the the um, commandos would 
kind of grab up whatever they could to keep the fight going. But mm-hmm. still, it was for a you know it was I thought that I thought that that gunfight was going to be pretty one sided, and it it surprised me how how it was not and how well it was shot. It, it may be part what you either you or Ken mentioned it that they were security troops and not frontline troops that probably allowed it to happen because some of those, they were just rushing headlong in in some of those cases and right I'm like you know that's not that's not the uh, perception of the early early war uh, German army in, right. in terms of how they did things oh and I don't know if you guys caught it but one of the one of those those issues that just drives me bonkers especially in modern movies is there were no shell casings those guys were just ripping through Sten gun ammo, but you didn't see any shell casings. Yeah, they should have been fall, tripping all over these shell casings covering the floor. <laughs> Hot shell casings. Hot shell casings. There well, were I, none. I, I don't know when they were shooting up those MG42s. I saw a lot of shell casings popping around. Yeah, but yeah. in the but in the but if you notice the guys with the uh, Stens, no shell casings. Okay. Well. Okay. I know, but it's just one of those where nowadays it's like, come on, guys. It, it, it's second nature, but I, it's you'd have to you have to pay attention to stuff like that. But in any case, none of them well, held their none of them held their pistols sideways to shoot. Well, though, so <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no gang, no gangsta style. Which, by the way, I think that sideways shooting it, it, it kind of started by believe it or not, kind of the Hong Kong action theater stuff that Jeff and I both enjoy. That's that's huh. where that that kind of became popularized, and obviously you see it, you know street gang type movies these days as well but probably probably so i think we've covered trivia um we'll move on um anything else you guys want to talk about before we kind of downshift in this movie any thoughts on the the, the uh, director or anything like that i mean he's really not done much it did not make much money at the box office it died at the box office didn't even recoup its budget it was nine million dollar budget it only made five million dollars um, which I think well, is a shame. It, 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 this isn't a movie, and I was going to say this in my in the end, but I'll say it now. I mean, this isn't a movie like Ronan, because uh, Ronan was a very detailed movie. But yep. I, I could watch Ronan again and again and again. Uh, this is a movie you watch, you you just you, you suck it all down and take you know take it all in, but you probably don't pick it up and watch it a whole lot more after that. Good point. Probably. Yeah, it's not one of those you keep. You go, hey, I, I, I need an uplifting movie. I'm going to throw Anthropoid in. <laughs> well, not so to much. To a certain extent, you know, I got to admit, my, my usual tone in these movies is, <laughs> is a little more lighthearted. And I'm like, man, I there ain't much I'm going to be able. To, I'm not going to be able to make much light of this movie. Yeah. It's like talking about the Holocaust or yeah. something. I mean, it's the same thing. It's it's a tough movie to watch. Yeah, it's hard to get a chuckle out of this thing. Yeah, nah. So, so. Well said. So we'll move on and we'll try and lighten this movie movie review up just a bit. So we'll um, we'll uh, downshift to uh, hold on. I need the music. Might help if I had the music. To um, well, we'll start out with brother. What you drinking, um, Brian? There's only three of us. Well, here we go. Oh, well, you uh-oh. couldn't hear that. Oh, I feel like I'm selling out now. I'm 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 I am drinking of all things. A jingling. Oh, you guys can get it up there now, can't you? Well, uh, yeah. Nolan actually was uh, coaching up in South Bend over the weekend, and he picked some up over there and brought it home with him. I asked if I could have one. So, 
Nice. So I don't know if they've had it in Chicago for longer than we've had it here, but uh, he's a big fan of it. So Very nice. I, so I'm actually getting ready to take my very first sip here. All right. Let's, and? Again, I'm not the beer aficionado you no. guys are, so it's fine. It's beer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah a, it's fine. It's a mid-range American beer. I, I enjoy it in the summertime. Been around forever. So my one beverage of the evening, probably. Very good. Well, I'll I'll downshift and go next because we have to do Ken after after this. I better find your music, Ken. I better get my act together. You're catching up with Ken music here. I got too many clips open um, while I'm killing time. I uh, I am drinking tonight small batch Elijah Craig Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Um, Elijah Craig, uh, quite tasty, out of Bardstown. I believe it's out of Bardstown. Uh, I say that. Yep, it's out of Bardstown. Um, puts out, it, it's a good good uh, mid-range bourbon. I think it's about a $30, $35 bottle of bourbon, a small batch. But good to, good to sip on um, and quite tasty. So I highly recommend it um, if you are looking for a bourbon. I'm trying to find Ken's podcast. Yeah, sorry, Ken. I gotta find your. I gotta find your catching up with Ken theme. There we go. I had it up and then I lost it. I've got too many windows on my on my computer tonight. So, so. well, just like it was firmly established in that classic bit of cinema, I'm going to get you, sucker. Gotta have your Every music. Every hero needs a theme song. Well, speaking of which, here you it's go. It's now time for catching up with Ken. My all right, Ken. Uh, quick rundown with uh, I got some reverb going here. I'll try to ignore it. Last weekend, I had a friend throw a porch party. She throws porch parties at her. She has a nice big porch, and she just invites a bunch of people. We sit on her porch and drink and eat and talk, and very pleasant evening. It's up on a at 46 and Central, a uh, nice old neighborhood, always nice people walking by. So saw some you know, people I knew, people I didn't know. I always meet some interesting new people when I go. Uh, so that was fun. And then the next day I went to uh, Fort Harrison to go, Fort Harrison Park, I should say, for a hike. And after the hike, I went over to Bella Vida, a uh, restaurant overlooking the marina at uh, Geist Reservoir. In, you know, invited Brian. Brian mentioned he wasn't able to come. His schedule just wouldn't allow him. But uh, nice restaurant. It's a fun place to hang out. And just, you know, it was a nice, beautiful, warm day. So got to see the water and the boats and, you know, hang outside with the beautiful people. Very nice. I'm not I'm not the beautiful people, but I, I, I blend. Uh, didn't do much entertainment wise over the last week but uh thursday night a friend of mine organized a gathering uh so before joining them i stopped at the ball and biscuit a nice bar down on mass mm -hmm. ave mm -hmm. just to have a drink because i hadn't been there for quite a while the bartender remembered me and i hadn't been in the place for like a year uh, hmm. but uh 
had a, had a, had a you know nice. It's a nice bar. I'll, I'll recommend the Ball and Biscuit if you're ever down to the south end of Mass Ave. What are they known for? Hey, Ken, what are they known for? If you were going to say they had a signature cocktail, or do they do they have well, a they're, signature? They're one of these places. Their thing again. Ball and Biscuit opened up like seven years ago, but they were one of the first to do the craft throwback ah. cocktails, you know, the old 20s and 30s yeah. cocktails, like French 75s and Moscow Mules and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, they have all kinds of other stuff, too. But, uh, you know, people that aren't in Indianapolis, I, I, I throw out this phrase, Mass, Mass Ave, Massachusetts Avenue is turned into a really big bar district and restaurant district. But it's done it just the past few years over the past maybe decade. And so Ball and Biscuit is doesn't get all the love it used to get because there's a lot more competition down there. I was okay. talking to the bartender about that. He said, you know, they're doing some rehabbing and things like that. Because it's just tougher competition. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of bars yeah, on stuff there. I walk down the street to the connoisseur room. Uh, the connoisseur room is it's trying it's shooting for the old school elegant, you know, Walnut paneled walls, red velvet curtains, uh, you know, elegant, upscale-ish. And I watched the Leisure Kings. Uh, the Leisure Kings are a, uh, they've been around town for a number of years, but their shtick is lounge lizard music. <laughs> to the extent that they actually did, yes, they did do a good personal take of their own on the bill murray uh, star wars <laughs> song from the old days of saturday night live but they're fun they take you know big hits but then they present them in a lounge lizard style good entertainers i mean they're local guys they do a good job so put in a plug for the leisure kings visit their website they probably like me saying that uh friday night Left work, went to the Brass Ring, met my friend Chris and his friend Dan. Uh, they both work at the legislature. Friday night was the last night for the legislature. They kept Dan there till like 1030, writing bills up to the last minute. But uh, hung out there, had the usual, had a taco pizza and just caught up. And then uh, last night, I went down to the symphony, had a friend of mine that was at the symphony, and she invited me to go down, but I forgot her number, and I figured, well, I'll just see her when I get down there. Well, I never did see her. I wandered all around the place, saw some people I knew, but uh, didn't see the person who invited me to go. But nonetheless, it was Brahms Requiem, very good presentation, and after that, I walked down around the street to the 1933 bar above uh, St. Elmo's uh, because the 1933 bar, I think I've mentioned it here, they've got an appetizer, which is two filet sliders with Gouda mac and cheese. And it's just like mm. the right size if you just want you know, something tasty but not too heavy, but still bad for you. So I had that and one of their Elmo's colas. And to do the podcast, I've been drinking not your father's root beer. How is that? 
it tastes like root beer. But really? I, I've got a what? buzz. What is it? <laughs> what, it's alcoholic root beer. Yeah. Mm. But it is. it tastes like just regular old root beer. It doesn't really taste alcoholic, but the alcohol's in there. It's what, uh, 5.9. So, you know, it's there. Hmm. Huh. So it's, I had it's... a couple of those tonight, so that's what I've been drinking. It's a... I've ha- I've, I had some last summer. It's a really nice, hot summer day drink. And every time I drink it, I'm going like, man, would this be better with a scoop of ice cream in it? Yes. I never... Yes. Probably would be. Probably. But I, I think it would be. Yes. Anyways, I... that's what's up with me. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we'll... Before we move on to the top 10 movies, we're going to knock out. There are not a lot of clips in this movie, um, but I did pick out four. So we'll run through um, several clips from this movie. I'll start with the first one called A Small Village Called Berlin. <laughs> I, like that. I like that. Operation Anthropoid. Anthropoid? What is Anthropoid? We are here to assassinate SS Obergruppenführer Reinhard Heydrich. Are you completely mad? We have our orders, But this is madness. We have our orders, comrade. Heydrich? Why stop with Heydrich? Why not have a go at Hitler as well? He's only 300 kilometers down the road in a small village called Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) I like that scene. Yeah, I think, and that really, that scene kind of sets the tone for everybody's looking around and like, Look, we just thought you guys were parachuting in to help us. Yeah, you're not. You're not. They're not doing them any favors. Yeah. These guys, like I said, you know, Heydrich was there, crushing them for like you know months, and just when they think they're getting a little help, the finds out. Oh no, no, you're going to kill Heydrich, and then who knows? You know, well, nobody even thinks they can pull it off. Right. Right, but that that sets, and that's probably a quarter of the way in the movie. But that does a great job in the movie of setting the tone for what's coming, and the whole purpose. Well, every, everybody. Right, the, the, the irony is like they they jump all these guys in to help bring radio crystals and stuff like that, but they jump two of these guys in like, okay, here's the plan. We're gonna do this, and we're all gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> and that's our orders. Suck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on, the next uh, clip is called Lipstick. We appreciate the effort, but the point was not to attract attention. We needed you as plain as possible. Do you understand? You know, for most girls, a little lipstick is the only way to forget what's happening here. Even if it's just for a few hours. Yes. Your lipstick gets you noticed. It's us noticed, and us being noticed, it's just all shot. Yeah, that, that's when uh, the two leads meet the two females out at a bar to try and mix and mingle and get a sense of for how the, what, what, what the, the life is like in Prague. And uh, they, the girls want to have a nice night on the town, and unfortunately, there's a lot of German officers sitting around in that bar. Yeah, there is. And, and they're very attractive young ladies, and uh, they get noticed. So, um, the one well, I character. Hate to say it. I mean, even if he's, if he told them, you two, I want you to dress 
extra frumpy tonight when you go to the bar. Every guy in that bar would have gotten whiplash watching him when right. he walked in anyways. Right, right. Because whether or not they were Gorgeous. actually frumpy in real life, they were pretty actresses. Yes. So, so the next it one... It did give you a sense how focused he was on the mission, though, too. I mean, yeah. it was all about the mission with him. And it was like to a point where he's like, smack me, you know, you know, to basically set it up so they could get out without being, I mean, obviously that's a conspicuous way to leave, but it is a way to leave yep. and get the hell out of there. Yeah. 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 He was, you know, that was a Killian Murphy's uh, grab chick character. On the other hand, Jamie Dornan's uh, Cuba's character was not as focused on the mission. He, <laughs> no. he, 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 he was, allowed things to sidetrack him. He was thinking with another part of his body. Yeah. Well, the whole idea, you, you're being sent on a suicide mission. Well, I mean, you have to think, one, it's a suicide mission. I mean, at and least if you for don't, us two guys. If you don't, you're yeah, fooling yourself. You're not going to do it. Right. So so what am I going to do just before I do a suicide mission? I'm going to get engaged. It's like, <laughs> what are you thinking? Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it might be good for you. You know, it might, you know it's like, hey, I'm going to get engaged and see what I can do before, you know. Yeah. But, well. But it really you're, happened you're have a, a widow. <laughs> Back ahead. then, there there are so many stories yep. in World War II and other wars of, again, it's the emotion. The moment. You know, this might be our last day. Yep. People did this stuff all the time. Yep. Yep. It's it's but, a yeah. You know, you're not, you're living for today. You're not living for the long term. I know, but but. Going, you know, basically going over to say, hey, I'm going to go fight the Nazis. You know, you know, if you're a farm boy from the states, let's let's get married before I leave. I mean, I know that it's not going to be, you know, you could die, but these guys are on a mission. It's like pretty much figure it's at best seventy to eighty percent chance I'm dying the, the second I do this, and then the other fifteen percent is I'll die within a two days and with a 5% idea that I'm ever going to make it out of here. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, but it happened. It I happened. Mean, that wasn't, you know, they weren't making that up. Nope. Nope. So moving on, uh, I call this clip wiped from the map. I know you've had me followed. I understand you don't trust me, but if I was an informer for the Gestapo, you think you would still be here, do you? And you tell me, Vladislav, what are you afraid of? I fear Czechoslovakia will be wiped from the map. You ask me if I'm afraid? Yes, I'm afraid. That's when the orders come back from London to go forward with the Heydrich assassination. And the, uh, the more moderate elements are still trying to put the brakes on it. Till the, because Heydrich was leaving, what, like in two days for Paris because he was taking on... He was going, he was going to... to um, Jerk a knot in the tail of Paris and get them, get them in line. So they had to hit him, like in a day. So, this, there so was, was Heydrich just going to take some wine to him since a Vichy rolled over pretty. Yeah, cheese <laughs> too. Well, like it took a whole lot of effort to get him to roll over. I mean, that's what you know. In the great calculus of World War Two. Who's to say that them doing this and having 5,000 or 7,000 checks get killed by the Nazis in retaliation didn't, in the end, net out saving lives? Because, right. okay, Hydra gets to France. How many Frenchmen are going to die? Right. A whole lot. And well, and I think the movie is trying to, to 
I mean, I think the movie's trying to say that, hey, it was awful, it was terrible, but this, you know, this caused Churchill to do certain things. This caused some things to happen, you know, in other countries uh, that ended up being for the good. Uh, you know, to me, I don't know, it's debatable, but but you're right. I mean, that is the other aspect, Ken, is God knows what what, what he had done in France. Although, again, I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to see France as being... I mean, obviously there was a resistance in France. I'm not, I'm, I'm kidding to a certain extent, but, uh, but they, you know, the, the occupation of France, uh, my lighted. guess is, was not like the occupation behind what is, was later well, became known as the Iron Curtain. And, and the French, without getting too far off track, the, the French have always done a very good job of portraying the resistance as bigger than what it was. Um, there was a lot of going along and getting along in France. Um, well, there was everywhere, yes. as this movie shows. Right. The French right. have dealt well with occupation over the years. Yes. How's that well, sound? Well, the, the French were enthusiastic in looking the other way with certain Nazi policies, too. So, with some oh, of their population. More than that. Mark. Yeah. They, they were helpful. Make the, I mean, mm-hmm. touching on what we were saying earlier, though, is if you look at the top Nazi leadership, Heydrich, I mean, I, I, I don't want to use the word competent or capable, but he was. Ruthless. I mean, he was, he was ruthless. a killing machine. He was, yeah, he was a killing machine, yeah. and he was very good at doing this sort of thing. And who, who's to say what would have happened were he to have lived? Right. I mean, it, the, he's one of those, you know, there was that old saying in the West, he's a man that needed killing. Right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, he, he he was, I mean, he brought the basically the assembly line to the killing oh, yeah. aspect yes. of civilians. Oh, the Vontae Conference. Uh, he, he created the whole methodology, essentially. Yeah, I mean, Himmler was there, too, but, you know, he was, he, he was Himmler's deputy. I mean, yeah. he, he did the hard work of that. Yeah. Himmler, Himmler just waved his hand. Heydrich was, yeah. Heydrich was the, man. yeah, he was the architect. Um, I've got one more clip called Retribution. These are dangerous times. Mayor gossip wipes a whole village from the face of the earth. Today, Carl Frank issued an amnesty broadcast. A full pardon for any person and their family in exchange for any information about the assassins, even if they did not come forward before. But there is a deadline of five days. After that, they plan to execute 30,000 checks. So that's, that's after they find out that Heydrich has died. The, the commandos are hidden in the, the church, and the priest is telling them the bad news. Yeah, the good news, Heydrich's dead. The bad news, held bay. One thing I got a little bit confused about. about. A little confused about the movie is were, were there were there or were there not? And, and again, I, I got the actors kind of mixed up at different points of, of the parachutists. Were there some British SOE guys? Uh, did the SOE even exist at that point? But were there some British SOE guys who were in there as well, mixed in with the checks who jumped in? No, these were and, all checks. No, these were all checks. Well, there was a scene where I thought they said they were from the SOE. Some guys that came in earlier. Uh, but again, I don't know if those. I don't know if they went somewhere else or if they were. Some, well, they, they were guy. talking. That was. They were talking about the resistance was hiding 
like shot down uh, allied pilots and right. things like that. And they did have, they were, they were hiding. You know, there were British like operatives that were, you know, in safe houses and the, and the resistance was taking care of them, but they weren't involved in this. Okay. So, yeah. Cause the SOE was tearing up Europe at the time. Well, again, I don't know. I don't know if the SOE was even had started at that point. You know, because well, post post war, the SOE were, you know, MI six and some of those guys looked at the SOE SOE guys like they're a bunch of untrained thugs that just knew how to blow shit blow shit up, which is not inaccurate, but they were effective. Uh, right. Well, the the really effective underground stuff tended to be later than this. It was still that's what I thought. Again, the, the Nazis pretty much cleaned out most of the resistance that had to be rebuilt from scratch. Yeah. Like in forty three and forty four. Yeah. And then it was built around the second front in many cases. Right. And then you had also the OSS mm -hmm. and yeah. other people shipping people in. Yep. So we're gonna move on, gentlemen. We're gonna move to Ken, are you ready for the top 10 movies of 2016? I am. I will cue up your music. Okay. And here we go. Here we go. Well, the uh, 2016 obviously was not that long ago. And for man cave-ish movies, it was a good year. Now, before I get really deep into the movies, I did want to make a point about that year in terms of like awards and all for people who don't remember it uh pretty much the award various big awards out there were dominated by la la land yeah. moonlight and manchester by the sea i mean to the exclusion of about everything else uh I hear that La La Land is actually, if you like musicals, it's a good musical. I haven't seen it. Uh, not a man cavish movie, but it is a case where uh, none of the movies that were getting awards were making all the money. The, the, the top 10 movies did not win the award. So starting at the bottom, at number 10, we've got Suicide Squad. Uh. Never saw it. I, I you did anymore. Yeah, because I've got a teenage son, and even he walked out and said, that movie made no sense. It was a train wreck. There were some good actors in it. It had some moments where you could kind of see they were trying to do something, but it just felt like it was a movie. A, it was, it was <clears throat> I think it's the DC Universe. It, it just, you didn't give a rat's ass about the characters, and it just felt like it was written by committee. And it showed. My oldest saw it. He liked it, but you know, but he's usually a pretty good evaluator. But I, it's just it, it did not appeal to me. No, I only went because my son, who's a freshman in high school, wanted to see it. So you know, you do that. I know. Last summer, it was getting all. I mean, when it came out, there's all kinds of promotion and press around it. But I kept reading reviews that basically were saying what you said, Mark. And I never, I've never seen it to this day. Don't. So. Down. Well, DC aficionados that I know could not wait for this movie. They were extremely, and they all mostly liked it. But they, the, 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 it appealed to them the way that the Avengers appealed to Marvel guys, right? You know, um, you know, or at least the 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 idea of it appealed to them. Yeah, but I, I think it would be fair to say since he's not here, Steve would hate this movie. Yes, probably safe to say. Yes. No doubt. 
I'll put that plug in for Steve. There you go. Uh, at number nine, a movie which I bet it's a it's a superhero movie, but I bet you don't say it sucks. Deadpool. <laughs> I never saw it, but I did, uh, but anybody I know went to see it thought it was fabulous. But it was very adult. It it and, yes, it was the anti-hero superhero movie. That's, that's fair to say. And Ryan yeah. Reynolds was custom made for that role. So, uh, Deadpool was the second highest grossing R-rated domestic film of all time. Hmm. And there was it's a lot of... Right, it's right behind the passion of the Christ in terms of box office. And there was a lot of concern about making an R-rated superhero movie, but it paid off. It's, yeah. And they're doing a sequel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And very entertaining. I enjoyed it. I, I, I really, but it, uh, no, my son keeps saying, can I watch it, Dad? I'm like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, give him a couple more years. A couple years. more years. Yep. At number eight, I think, I think I heard you say you went to see this, Mark. I didn't. Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Nope. Not me. I've seen it. We saw it over Christmas. That was you. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it, we, we, it, was, it was kind of a family over Christmas thing. I believe that was around Christmas or Thanksgiving. But, uh, you know, first, let me preface this. I mean, it, it is in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, it is not Harry Potter. I have never, uh, I, I don't dislike the Harry Potter movies, but much like the books, they just never, you know, when it was the big thing, I read one and I'm like, eh, okay. Right. Thank you. Um, and, and it was a it was an entertaining movie has a nice little twist at the end, uh, that clearly leads to the next movie with some very prominent actors, uh, that show up at the very end. Um, but, uh, it's a good movie. I mean, it's good. I mean, I didn't dislike it. You know, it, it just didn't drive me crazy, but it was a good entertaining movie. Okay. Well, and if you're either, you're either in that camp, it's like superhero movies. You're either in the Harry Potter universe camp or you're not. And I'm not, I'm not either. I, I caught I a number first two yeah. and that just doesn't do anything for me. I've seen them because my kids, especially my daughter devoured the books, but I never, I, I just never understood the, 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 the fascination with them. My sense is, is a lot of the popularity of that whole thing was it was a book that kids could read and the adults kind of could read it. And it was, you know, and you know, a lot of kids don't like to read, so yep. the kids did. So the parents got excited about it, and they all said, "Oh, this is awesome." Whereas, you know, I was reading three, four books a week as a kid, and I was reading a lot of shit that I thought was a hell of a lot more entertaining, right? And and is more entertaining. But this was part of a whole cultural thing. Not to say the books were bad; I'm sure they were fine. Uh, but hey. they weren't. They weren't as these epic works of incredible art, in my opinion. Right. Uh, and again, I only read a couple. Uh, but I just like, you know, and again, I, I don't want to say they're bad. They're not, no, just but didn't there's, just, there's a lot of other stuff that I would like better. Right. Moving on, Ken. At number seven, I just saw this about a month ago and I'll be interested to see if you guys seen it, what you think. Uh, Batman versus Superman. Dawn of justice. <laughs> Never saw it. Don't want to. I never saw it. Uh, I'd like to, I think, but I just never saw it. <clears throat> can? The, I can I, say I, I heard a number of people I know that kind of panned it, but then I read some reviews that gave it a good review. I'm going to say it was 
for me, it was okay. It was. It never got to the point where I was going like, oh, I'm shutting this off. But, I mean, I was like checking emails and texts on my phone and, you know, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a superhero movie, uh, but it does have an you know interesting idea of you know if if Superman is real, what the hell are you gonna do about it? I mean, he's he's a threat. So it's I mean, always been... it's they're just trying to get the whole Justice League geared up. DC wants to make a they want to do what Marvel's doing. So this is their attempt to like mash it together. They threw Wonder Woman in there. She makes a little appearance. Uh, Gal Gadot, very attractive Wonder yep. Woman. Uh, well, it, but no, I thought I actually thought that Ben Affleck did an okay job as an old beat up Batman. I heard he was very good. I heard he was actually a high point of the movie. Huh. What I heard he was actually of, of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I I personally think of the whole superhero genre, which I do enjoy. Uh, I still think the Batman, the, the three most recent Batman movies, were the best superhero movies ever done, personally. And I love the Avengers and. And I love all those movies. Well, I, I love the Avengers as an old comic book fan, but uh, but I still think that the best cinema I've seen is the three Batman movies, followed probably by uh, a couple of the Captain America movies, followed by the uh, uh, Captain America Winter Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Movie was really good. Uh, it, it was a throwback movie. I mean, I, yeah. I felt like I was watching a superhero Ronin almost. But yep. uh, and uh, but uh, but you know, I like them all. But I do really do think as as pieces of art if you will the batman movies were the best steve would totally you? disagree with that by the way but well, although I, I found the At third number six. Oh, go ahead mark I'm no just gonna say i found it. of the christopher nolan ones the the third one was very forgettable it just left my i just kept shaking my head throughout that one yeah, it he was spent a lot of disbelief. Yeah, I think the second movie was the best. Of the that. best uh, by far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the third one, it was kind of like I have to end it, and I'm just gonna get through it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I actually I liked it, but I, you know, in comparison to the other two, it was it was not the best, but I thought it was it was appropriate. Yeah, I can see that absolutely. So let's see. It's return of the Jedi phenomenon. Yes, well said. You're saying the Batman, the Batman series mirrors Star Wars, where one was good, two was better, and then the last one kind of just trailed off. Right, but thankfully there were no Ewoks. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank God. Thank God. All right. Uh, at number six, a movie I did not see wasn't targeted at me, but it was the Secret Life of Pets. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. I'm beyond that having to take my kids to those movies yeah uh and number five uh you probably didn't see this either but i actually heard good reviews of it uh the live action with cgi jungle book Brian, very good movie yeah didn't you say it was an outstanding movie i thought it was out i really enjoyed it thought it was a fabulous movie and i even liked the ending credits the way they handled the music and I can't really describe what they did at the end, you know, when they were doing the credits, but it was just beautifully done. I really liked the movie. I would recommend that movie to anybody all ages. That's Very good. Nice. Very nice. Well, I, I figure I'll put it, I think I've got it on my Netflix queue, so when it pops up someday, I'll see what it, what I think. Yeah. It's a great movie to see with somebody, I think. I think it's even more enjoyable with somebody else. Huh. Well, I'm a lonely outcast. What what good does that only me? I'll just... <laughs> call, Bri- call Brian. He'll watch it with you, Ken. <laughs> okay. 
At number four, another cartoon, Zootopia. Okay. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Aimed, aimed at the younger crowd. As was number three. Number three was Finding Dory. Saw it. <coughs> was that a continuation of the first fish movie? Um, yeah, find, it was a sequel to Finding Nemo. Yes. Okay. And it was based. And it was she basically did? Finding Dory or whatever it was, Catching Dory, Eating Dory, Sushi with Dory, whatever the title was, was basically take Finding Nemo and basically recycle it with a slight variation. Um, my kids wanted to see it because it was they remembered Finding Nemo fondly, and they even walked out and said, yeah, we've seen the movie already. It was called Finding Nemo. It wasn't bad. It was entertaining, but um, it 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 was a rehash. Basically, it was just a, a rebuild of the original. I, I like Finding Nemo. Um, yeah. In retrospect, I don't like it anymore because it caused Disney to ruin uh, a portion of uh, Epcot, which was the Living Seas. Oh yeah. Into a, a kids thing when it used to be more of a science thing, but that's just me. Yep. Yep. At number two, uh, let me let me pause just a moment. Just a, an interesting bit of trivia is last year the number one, two, three, four, and five movies were all Disney movies. We got to be getting a very good year. We got to be getting near Rogue One. At number two is Rogue One. There we go. Star Wars story. We are going to review that. Review. We are going to review that soon. It's Good movie. Not be available. It's not streaming anywhere yet. It it's you can rent it now and you can buy it. So okay, I liked it. Uh, I don't mean this is a but part of the reason I liked it Rogue One is because there won't be a Rogue Two, and I don't mean that because it's a bad movie. It just but that's what makes it a good movie. To me, right. If that makes any sense. No. <laughs> so what and, you're saying is anthropoid in space. Uh, without blowing it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Yet. Yeah. And and I I it it very much felt like the Star Wars universe of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Very I mean, I Star, Star Wars meets the Dirty Dozen. Yes. Pretty much. I I think it's it was an interesting twist and I think I'm I'm I like I Rogue it. One. I want to see it again. Not I'm not The thing about it is though when the first three Star Wars, well, actually, when the first two Star Wars movies came out, and when I was a youngster, I mean, I think I saw Star Wars in the in the studio for like you know seven times. Saw Empire Strikes Back like five times in the theater. You don't do that anymore. You see it at the theater maybe, and then you wait for it to come out. Yeah, on DVD or whatever. I I picked it up on digital streaming because the kids really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed it. And you know, we'll review it, um, so we won't give that away, but. I was impressed, considering what we had been served up with the year before. Best thing that's been done since the originals. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was commenting to somebody at work that if if they wanted, if you wanted to do a really good chunk of Star Wars, you do Rogue One, and then, you know, the first Star Wars, what, New Hope, and then yep. Empire Strikes Back. Just boom, 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 back to back. Because they fit all together, and then you ignore everything else. Yes, it would. That would be a great story, right there. 
Yeah, they've done their best stuff outside of Rogue One in their animated series. Yeah. Uh, Rebel. Uh, the Rebels is quite good, uh, as well as obviously uh, Clone Wars, yep. Warrior, whatever the name of it is. That, that's Wars. very good. Yeah. yeah. And now it's owned by Disney, and they're going to do what they can. So yep. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be some good, some bad. Well, and they real uh, quick they threw back in canon because I think Disney realized they were foolish not to. Um, now, whether or not they've extended canon into the Thra- into Timothy Th- Zahn's original Thrawn books uh, that took place immediately after Return of the Jedi, but he has written a prequel about Admiral Thrawn um, while he's rising up through the ranks during the Rebellion and prior to. I, I believe that one of the movies coming up, I mean, the ones there's. I think they've mentioned a Thrawn movie. He's one of the most compelling and interesting and complex characters in the Star Wars universe. Well, he, yeah. he is in he is in uh, the, uh, Rebels. Rebels. Yeah, and he is, uh, I think, very compelling and very interesting character. Yeah, and he's obviously if he's in those, he is part of canon. Yeah, at this so point, they reinstituted him because I think they realized that was foolish on their part. Well, yeah, they had a whole lot of. Well, it, it goes with so much of Hollywood. Hollywood is full of people that can take classics of, you know, literature and go like, you know, that Shakespeare guy, he made an okay movie, but <laughs> I can make a better story out of this uh, Hamlet. I can know? make Shakespeare in love. Oh. Shakespeare, oh, don't talk to me. I saw Shakespeare in Love at the cinema, at the movie oh, on a date. So did I. Yeah. Uh, this is the things we'll do. Number it might one. Have worked for you. Was it, was no, it, was it a no. date with your present spouse? No. 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 Okay. No. 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 We will move on. All right. Number one. And I'm moving on it. Number one, a movie which I saw, and I bet you all saw Captain America, Civil War. I like that movie. But I like the Captain America. I like Captain America. I like that whole that whole arc yeah. that they've been telling about um, he and his his friend, the Winter Soldier. Yes. Brian. The best job of the Disney movies, uh, or of the of the Avengers slash Marvel movies, of kind of telling, questioning the security state and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought they've. And I think they've done it well. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I already said I think the Batman movies are, are probably what I consider to be the best pieces of, for art's sake, art. But I do think that's what I like about the Captain America. Man, I love the Avengers, but Captain America has told a very interesting, compelling story, starting with, in my opinion, for Marvel, uh, starting with World War II and running it all the way through today, uh, particularly yeah. again with the whole security state question. So I like I, I really like Captain America movies. My yeah. favorite being Winter Soldier. Yeah, the the whole arc I thought has been w- very well developed, and they, I thought they did, and they 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 played it very well in this series and introduced a couple new intriguing characters, um, and made you you know everybody walked out of the movie. Are you Team Cap or are you Team Iron Man? So that's well, a win. Gearing up, they'll be doing that mashup with Guardians of the Galaxy. Infinity so. War. Yep. It's coming next year. Next year, it's coming. We'll see. Yep. So, well, that's well, the top I, 10. I do want to make a little side comment here, which is I'm pulling out, you know, doing my research in Wikipedia. And uh, 
they point out that last year, just to give you an idea of th forces driving Hollywood and filmmaking today, Captain America Civil War, Zootopia, Kung Fu Panda 3, Warcraft, and The Great Wall have all grossed more than 1 billion yen in the Chinese box office. So a lot of, you know, when Hollywood is making movies now, they have to do it with a real strong look at what's going well, to happen in China. Look at the reason you're getting a World of Warcraft sequel is because it played well in Asia. China yeah, and the rest well of... here. No, but elsewhere, um, overseas, especially in uh, Southeast Asia and China, it played very well, and they made a lot of money on it. So there, you're going to get a sequel. Never saw it, but clearly uh, it made. I, 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 I pulled off headset here, so hopefully you hear me. But uh, yeah, you know, my oldest Nolan saw Warcraft. Thought it was a good movie. Yeah, I, I mean, but but it appeals to those that know something about that universe. Right, right, right. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. Very well done, and some nice conversation about some movies that we will be adding to the list. Very, at least what's in the case of Rogue One, sooner rather than later. And so it is now time to move on to the checklist. Gentlemen, I gotta push the button. Did anybody go through a window? <laughs> oh shoot, I, I, a lot of bullets went through windows. Yes, they did. Yeah. Fire but... hoses went through windows. But uh, explosions blew through windows when Hydric's, when the bomb went off and it hit the, the trolley car, but I don't recall anybody going through a window. Yeah, there was actually a scene where I thought they were, where the woman, they're beating up the one woman and they let her go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I thought, she's going to jump out the window. Like, no, she didn't. No. So I will say... No. We all agree, no. No one went through a window, although this movie was ripe with that opportunity. So, yeah, A lot of people had good reason to jump out of windows. Yes. So, moving on. Who knows? Who knows if down there somewhere, perhaps my father's dream will come true one day. Who knows? Was there an irrelevant female role in the movie? Nope. I don't think so. I thought they were all very, and they're all historically accurate. There was one scene which was not actually; it's more of a fantasy scene. But oh, I, that that's, yeah, that that could have been left out. But I understand why they did it at the very end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch and did he pay? <laughs> <laughs> Ken? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but he, he did, but it was not exactly gratuitous in the sense that you're like clapping your hands and the music is played in the background in the movie All's Well That Ends Well. Right. You know, it wasn't that. Right. No, because also it just let a whole bunch of little son of a bitches get out there and they didn't pay. Right. It started the shitstorm. And it, it they caused payback. Mm -hmm. A lot so, of payback, yes. But yeah, the son of a bitch, I, I, I think in anybody's book... Overgroup and fear, Reinhardt Heydrich <laughs> was a son of a bitch. Yes. So, yes, there was a son of a bitch, and he did pay. Uh, moving on. 
was there a Willem? Good Lord. <laughs> I love you, that. You, get, you love that. Oh, I love that. Excessive. <laughs> no, no, there's never, never such a thing with Wilhelm screams. Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? I was screaming a Wilhelm scream when they pulled out the MG42s. <laughs> I didn't hear one though. There, there was not, but they usually could have put it in because there was plenty of opportunity for screaming. Yep, lots of Germans who could have Wilhelm scream when they got shot. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people like just walking down the street or riding a streetcar or doing some yep. shopping could have done it too. Yep. Reinhard Heydrich could have done it, but no, he's, no. <laughs> no, it the did not body count. In this movie was like the opening scene of saving private Ryan. <laughs> Actually it was. Yeah. Like I said, it reminded me of those scenes in Ronan yep. or maybe heat. Yep. Ronin, yes, absolutely. Yes. But I remember that. This movie does not lend itself to a Wilhelm scream. I'm glad they didn't put it in there. No. So remind me, what you recently posted something where there's a Wilhelm scream and some. What was that? You put it on the the, the page. Um, I forget. I, 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 I have to. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I can't recall. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. Um. Study. Study better next time. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Here I go again on my own. Could, uh, could one of the female roles be better played by Tawny Katane? Well, I, I think the say world that, uh, In her prime. We always have to put it in, in her prime. Not the drunken, crazy Tawny Katane that tried to beat up her no, husband. No, no. Did, did beat up her husband. Did beat up her baseball-playing husband. No, not that one. Correct. No, the, the Tawny Katane of Bachelor Party. Uh, Anna Geislerova is a vaguely tawny-esque character. She's got those angular features and all. She's not, yeah. but you know, tawny. I would say no, because you don't want, the thing is, Tawny Katane does not look like Thank you. a 40s character. You commented earlier, the, the women in this movie look like they were 40s right. women. And she would have looked, she would have looked American. Even yeah. though the world is generally made better by the existence of Tawny Katane in the uh, Bachelor Party <laughs> days, uh, she would would not have added to this movie. Correct. All right, we can agree. No, she would not. Have, the female roles would not have been better played by Tawny Katane. Okay. Uh, we've got two more left. Moving on. <laughs> Was there an A-team montage in this movie? Ken, you're always astute to so. these things, but what do you think? I didn't see one. There were montages, but not A-team montages. Right. There was the getting ready, checking the weapons, but yeah. but not that A-team. We've got to slap a we've got to we've got to build an ME109 out of milk cartons and um and a and a hearse. No, you did have montages of like the Germans oppressing and rounding up people and. That kind of stuff. That was montage Yeah. But I, I just watched a Netflix movie called uh, Spectre not too long ago, and uh, I think that's what it's called. Maybe it, I'm wrong. Is that that it. one that's kind of future military in a burned-out city? Yeah, well, there's basically a scene where they figure out what will kill these specters, so to speak, and you know, it's an overnight scene where the engineer guy essentially takes what would be modern weaponry and turns them into something that you think could come out of, uh, I don't know, starship troopers, you know, in, in a period of about eight hours, you see them building these crazy walking things. And you're like, 
wow, <laughs> the very A team in that particular okay. like that movie, by the way. But uh, anyway. s- speaking of crazy, futuristic, stupid movies, I wound up watching Battleship last night. Oh God, my. You poor thing. I've heard. I, everybody said, like, oh, it's horrible. Oh, it's terrible. What were you I thought, thinking? Well, it showed up. Thought, what the hell? I'll watch it. Like, oh, man, that's a bad. Oh, gosh. Really? It's, it's Transformers, kind of. All right. All right. We're, we're not we're not we're not going we're not going to give it any more any more than that passing reference. Uh, night, huh, Ken? Yeah. So, yeah. Lonely night again, huh, Ken? You ended up going home watching Battleship. Well, I got home like eleven, or I, I got home about ten. I had I, well, I don't want to go to bed right now, so popped in Battleship and it showed up. So there's two hours of your life you can yeah, really get back. Yeah, it, it's very formulaic. Yep, and, not, right. and very uh, very plot holeish. Huh. Let's talk about Anthropoid. I, but and last but not least, was there? And so it begins. A Babylon 5 reference in this movie. I could not find one. These actors are all European. Most of them are young. The oldest one in there is Toby Jones, and he is a Brit. I, there were, I did not find any. Did you, Ken? No. Toby Jones has actually been around long enough. He, he, he could have appeared back then. He was doing you know, TV he, and all, but it was all British TV right, back then. Right. But he's only in his 40s. He looks yeah. like he's in his 60s, but I think he's only in his 40s. Yeah. He would have been young, but no. Um, no Babylon 5 reference. So so that's it for the checklist. So, gentlemen, Ken, you recommended this movie, so I'm going to throw the review to you because we are at that point of the show, and we're going to wrap it up. Okay. We said a lot about this movie. I, I think that listeners would get a favorable buzz from us, but this movie isn't going to be for everybody. It is, like we said, it's a... Uh, it's basically a documentary. They took a lot of time to get the history right. I'm sure they took some dramatic license, but it, it's overall, they try to do the best they could to make it accurate. And it's not a happy, fun time. It's, it is a gritty, desperate struggle sort of a movie. Uh, but to me, it was very evocative and it does it. It's something that isn't done enough. I mean, you know, I, I, commented earlier you know a couple episodes back we did force 10 from navarone again commandos parachute in behind enemy lines take the fight to the nazis it's cartoonish that movie is cartoonish compared to this movie this is a lot more accurate but then again is it entertaining it's not everybody's cup of tea i mean i wouldn't want to go on a date to go see this movie I wouldn't want to like it. let's get the whole the little kids around the tv and watch it uh no it's not that <laughs> Uh, kind of a downer movie at the end because everybody dies. That's it's accurate. I mean, I would have hated if Hollywood, you know, what 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 if the guy at the studio said, "Ah, oh, you got to get a happy ending on this," and then they just shoehorned in some happy ending? It, it wouldn't be right. They're trying to do a dramatic historical story. Uh, we talked also about the cast, uh, mostly European. Uh, but a lot of people you know. I mean, if you've been seeing movies, they've got, uh, you know, a lot of people have been in a lot of big movies. And then the people you don't know are very, mostly very well regarded over in Europe. I mean, again, uh, they, you know, 
they might not have had breakthrough roles here, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the people in this that no one's heard of are seen a lot more in American films or just, you know, world films in the near future. I thought it was good looking. And like I commented on too, the, you know, Prague is a beautiful city to look at. It's just a beautiful old medieval town. Having said all that, yeah, this is really kind of tough. I'm, I'm, the more we've been talking, I've, I've raised my ante. I was, I was originally going to say this was, you know, around a seven ish, but I'm going to step it up to a, a, a 7.75. I mean, I liked it pretty much. Uh, but I can't give it like a 10 because it's a hard movie to watch. It's not one I'm going to seek back to watch over and over again, like most 10 movies that I uh, review. Well said. Brian, what are your closing thoughts? Yeah, I don't have, I don't really have really much disagreement with Ken. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- th- this is a movie that the three of us might have seen back in the days when we would be able to go out and see a movie together. It'd be a movie not everybody else would see, but we'd want to see it from the historic aspect. And, you know, but it's, it certainly is not a date movie, as Ken said. It has, it feels very much like a documentary. I mean, one of the, one of the interesting things to me about it is, is much like Private Ryan did when it came out, it shows that, hey, this is, you know, war is not, um, well, I don't know, it's, it's not uh, Force 10 from Navarone. It, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, there are consequences. Um, and even the good things that happen don't necessarily dictate a good ending. Um, and, uh, but, you know, well done, well executed, well acted. Uh, I thought Cillian Murphy was good. Uh, I thought Ken, uh, Dornan was good. And like I said, I'd love Dornan, by the way, in Caesar Shadowville. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I'm probably going to be, again, it, 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 the flow of the movie w- could be a little lugubrious at times. Check that word out. Wow. Uh, but, uh, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Very cosmopolitan. <laughs> yeah, say. But, um, Johnny but Tyler, I, yeah. you mad cat. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, and I think that was, if there was a problem, it was that. It was that it, it, it moved at snail's pace at times. So with all that, I liked it. Um, it's probably not a movie I see again, uh, unless I just kind of want to get, you know, a little more, another dose of history. So I'm probably going to give it a seven, seven and a half. I'm pretty close to Ken. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it, it's, I, I'm going to fall right there about a seven and a half too. Again, for not taking anything away from it for the actors, the production value or the story. It's interesting. It's just, um, it could have it could have been tightened up a bit, um, and I can see where some people might get a little frustrated with it because it is a throwback in style. But uh, I, I agree with what both of you said. Well, well said. You've covered it. Um, it is streaming for our listeners if you do want to watch it. It is streaming on Amazon Prime if you do have that service, and I think you can rent it for three bucks if you don't. But if you are interested in the period um, and and would like to see a pretty good a very Fairly historically accurate um, for World War II movies, uh, telling of this tale, then um, I would say definitely check this movie out. Any more closing thoughts before I close this out, gentlemen? I, I, it, this is not a movie that lends itself to some snide, witty line at the end, so I, I probably don't have much in the way of any, any uh, comical closing statement. Well, then I will I just. Have, so I'll pass it on. I will just close it out then, and we'll just move on. So. Thank you for listening tonight uh, to this great and fantastic review of 
the movie Anthropoid. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review or at our website at mancavemoviereview.com. You can also visit us on our, web, our Facebook page. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Um, we're usually pretty prompt, and you'll find all sorts of interesting and completely bizarre tidbits and uh, poke fun at one another type postings, as well as movie reviews and whatnot. So uh, until our next episode, I'm your host, Mark Slover, saying thank you for listening and offering to uh, my colleagues, uh, Ken, I don't want to be the kraut who has to go up the stairs in the church first. Roni, if you have any closing comments, sir. Uh, except for the fact that it's, it's not a good thing to have to go up the steps first. <laughs> even follow, even if you follow a hand grenade. No. I mean, you know, crates of hand grenades don't, I mean, they help, but they don't solve the problem. That's right. Very well said. And also, our very own Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs, also known as Brian. I like to keep my bomb handy when my buddy James' submachine gun Miller is here also tonight. <laughs> and Well, hey, she and I are planning on taking a visit to a little village about 300 kilometers up the road here in a couple of days. So, <laughs> you know, let me know if you got any armament I can take on the way. Would that be Chicago? <laughs> yes. Well done. <laughs> Well, thank you, gentlemen. I think it was a very good evening. Uh, on behalf of Jeff and Steve, they send their regrets and regards, but uh, life and um, illness got in the way. But uh, we hope you enjoyed this review, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, um, thank you for joining us, and enjoy your evening. Good night. <laughs>